Hello, everybody. This is the Chocolate News Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Alexander Reese. And if you didn't know, the Cincinnati Herald has been around since 1955 and is the leading African-American-owned newspaper in the greater Cincinnati area and the northern Kentucky area. And today we have with us our digital correspondent, Andrea Carter. How are you doing today, Andrea? John, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. So, Andrea, what's the Chocolate News of the Week? Well, I mean, it, it, it has been a very interesting week, um, I would say, for news. Um, I would say, let's kick it off with Biden. He um, finally got his infrastructure bill signed. I mean, passed and signed. He signed it. Um, I think that is um, the best thing that has happened um, for the country in a long time. It's a huge win for the Democrats. I believe it's, they've been telling it as the blue collar blueprint to rebuild America. And, um, you know, the, the president and the vice president are now traveling across the country to promote it and recognize all the different projects that are going to be funded by this bill. And there's still another fight to be had regarding infrastructure, regarding more of the, I would say, quality of life issues regarding social security, welfare, the, you know, social security, things like that, that next bill that's going to come about. But it's a good thing. It's a win for America. It's a win for the Democrats. If they can get past their differences and pass the voting rights bills that we really want, I think the Democrats are going to find that their life is going to be smooth sailing for a little while and make it a little rough for the Republicans. Yeah, definitely. It's a shame what they had to cut out of the bill in order to get it approved. But you know what? It's like you got to take this as a win. Now, let me ask you this. How do you think the infrastructure bill is going to affect the greater Cincinnati area? Well, I think we're going to get a new bridge. <laughs> Thank um, goodness. <laughs> we need it. We, we, we need several new bridges, but I think yes. we're, we're, especially that bridge. I mean, I don't even drive 75 anymore because that bridge is just so um, crowded. And, you know, and, and I think we need a new viaduct as well. Um, the, um, the Western Hills viaduct that needs to be replaced. Our bridges are aging across the country and even here. And we are um, the crossroads. People come from Cincinnati to take to travel, taking their goods to other places where, you know, we have so many trucks that come through every single day. We are a key component to our supply chain. And I think we're going to benefit from that. Um, I think the area is going to see it in jobs, going to see it in companies coming to this area. And I think a new development will come with the new bridge. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see what this happens. And once again, congratulations to Biden for getting that bill passed. Now, let me ask you about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. What's the status on that? Yes. And well, right now they are, the jury is still deliberating. You know, the judge has dismissed some charges against Kyle. There were more misdemeanor gun charges um, because it was a technicality. The law was a little, the state law was a little iffy on the gun charge. So he just threw it out because the prosecution didn't prove enough of the case to warrant the jury deliberating over it. Um, but the jury, I think, is they're into their second day of deliberation. Um, they're asking questions. They um, watched some video today. I know the defense has asked for a mistrial in the case, because of this video that the jury watched, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the judge rules on it. But at the end of the day, the jury is still deliberating. And I think they are struggling on the case because of what was presented, how it was presented. But I think at the end of the day is 
what is in the mind of a 17-year-old who thought enough to carry a gun, even though he claimed that he was going to help and help people and protect property? How do you help people carrying a gun? All I gotta say is that he's a very stupid kid or very naive or maybe a little bit of both. Well, I think someone watched, I think someone played too many video games thinking that he was a hero, got his mom to drive him across state line with a gun, I might add, yeah. and then carry, you know, a shock, well, not a shotgun. It was a, I think it was a sharpshooter gun or something like that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not too clear about, I forgot what type of gun he had. But again, if I'm going out to help the community, I don't carry a gun. You know, to protect property, you can protect property with just saying, please don't step on that. You don't need a gun to say, no, 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 don't do this. Please don't. Last year at the protest that we had here um, in Cincinnati, there were guys who protected storefronts by keeping the crowd away from the storefront windows by saying, you're not doing it here. And they stopped it and moved them along. So you don't need a gun to protect. I think it was a naive 17-year-old thinking that he's going to be a hero as seen you know, be, become this big thing in his own eyes and come to find out instead he killed three people. At the end of the day, he killed three people. Whether they, you know, they tried to say this guy was menacing and that he feared for his life, which is usually the standard fare of when someone does something wrong. They say, well, I feared for my life. I was, you know, I, I felt fearful. I thought they were going to hurt me. Well, guess what? They were fearful of you. You got the gun. They didn't have anything. So, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the jury decides. I just have, I just have this awful feeling that if he's found innocent, that he's just basically going to be the poster child for vigilante justice. And this is going to encourage more people, you know, because if, you know, riots happen again, some, some kid is just going to say, well, I'm going to be like Kyle Rittenhouse and I'm going to defend this territory. And that Rittenhouse is going to be like talking points all over the right wing media, maybe get his own show on Fox News or One American News Network or something like that. That's my biggest fear. If he's found guilty of anything, it will be a misdemeanor and they will limit his time in jail or at least probation. Um, I'm not expecting a big win. I'm probably hoping for a little win. And when I say a little win, I'm hoping for probation and that he's on probation for five years and that he has to take classes on how to handle a gun and how to speak with people and, you know, learn something. He's lucky. He, he, you know, I'm not expecting much. If he is convicted, I'm going to be shocked. Like I said, I'm expecting a little win, not a big win on this. But unfortunately, Trump, when he was president, opened the door to this crap. He opened the door to this chaos. And we cannot shut this door. And unfortunately, until people of non-color wake up and chastise the people who are doing this stuff, it's going to continue. People are fear of the unknown. People are fearful of, the, of people not looking like them being in charge. People are fearful of just what people will do in retaliation for what has been done to of them themselves. They fear the unknown. They fear the future. And I'm like, if the Black community and the Black and Brown community feared the future for every day, we would never be where we are today. You just got to wake up, live your life, and pray that someone is thinking logically and straightforward and thinking of the bigger picture of society and not just them. But unfortunately, America lives in an era of fear. 
and fear has people doing stupid stuff. Now, I want to hear your take on the other case that's going on right now, the uh, Ahmaud Arbery trial. Can you tell us what's going on with that? From what I understand, the Ahmaud Arbery case right now, um, one of the gentlemen, Michael, I believe his name, is on, is on the stand right now being questioned by the prosecution. I do know that one of the defense attorneys several times has tried to get Black ministers ousted from the courthouse not to come and sit in the audience because he claims it intimidates the jury. Well, and he's tried to get Al Sharpton thrown out. He's tried to have Reverend Jackson, Jesse Jackson, removed from the courtroom and the judge said, I'm not going to do this. This is a public forum and it's going to remain public. My thing is the more the man doth protest too much, the more he protests, the guiltier his guy is. He needs to sit down, shut up, and let him sit in the audience. Because if he didn't say anything, it probably will more swing his way. Now the jury is going to be looking at this guy and be like, why does the defense attorney keep saying that we're going to be intimidated by these Black people in the room? They're probably not going to be. They see, oh, yeah, they probably get to see the guys, you know, that they've seen on TV up close and personal, like, wow, he's in the room. They could be starstruck and could care less. But because he keeps protesting, protesting, and asking for a mistrial, you know, I think it's going to go against his guy. It's not going to go for his guy. It's going to be interesting to see what the outcome is, but that's where they are. Um, They just started, the prosecutor is still questioning Michael, and we'll see what happens tomorrow. All I can say, I hope uh, Ahmad's family gets justice. That's that's what I'm hoping. I, I think they deserve justice because I think what's interesting, the prosecution you know, again, the gentleman on the stand said that he feared for his life and that, you know, he, he, he was afraid that he was going to be um, injured. And I'm kind of like, the guy was running. He had no gun. He had no weapon on him. He attacked. If he did attack you, that's because you attacked him because you instigated the situation to begin with. But I think the prosecution also brought up that, you know, white people who were, have run through, through this construction site, you didn't go after them. What made him so special that you went after this person and not everybody else? So there's flaws in their story. And, you know, they're digging deep to prove that they had a right to do what they did. But at the end of the day, they took a life. And they had no reason to take the life because it was none of their business to begin with. So we'll just, we'll just see what, what happened. We may win one and we may lose one. So, and I think that's, that may happen. It's just going to, we're just going to have to see what happens. So to move on to a lighter piece of news, New Year's Eve. (laughs) It's, um, it's happening again in Times Square. Mayor Bill de Blasio announced that New York City is going to host the event this year. And it culminates with the ball drop at midnight on January 1st. So um, of course, you'll still have to be vaccinated. And if you're not vaccinated, you'll have to provide a negative COVID test within 72 hours, you know, before the event, but it's still good news. Like, what are your thoughts, Andrea? I'm excited. I mean, I love the ball dropping. I love New Year's Eve. I I remember when um, I was working in New Jersey and I was working the late shift um, at a newspaper and I got off at 11 o'clock and I decided right then and there that I was going to go to the train station and um, get on the train. It was New Year's Eve. And I decided, you know what? I want to know what all the excitement is about. And I got on the train and I went to Times Square. 
Now, mind you, the crowd was so big, I didn't get to Times Square. I was like a block and a half over from Times Square. But it was exciting, you know, because you were in this place where there was a cop on every corner, believe it or not. It was the safest moment in the country to be because cops were everywhere. But there were people from all from around the world, all in this one spot, saying Happy New Year. Folks were um, going through, they had different pens where you could stand. And I ended up, um, when I did this, I ended up on uh, 7th Avenue near the corner of, was it 44th or, no, I was on the corner of, near the corner of 42nd and 7th Avenue. And the ball was off of, the, the ball, Times Square off of 8th Street is over, one block over. So I couldn't get there. I just couldn't. I mean, you have to get there like three o'clock in the afternoon. And if you got to go to the bathroom, you might as well wear a diaper because you can't, once you're in there, you can't get out. And I've been I've been told this by a number of New Yorkers that it's just that way um, because a lot of stores will shut down. Um, I was lucky when I went that there was a McDonald's near where I was standing and they were selling hot chocolate and their bathroom was open. So I got to go to the bathroom um, in that McDonald's. But other than that, I mean, it was just like, you're in this pen, your bag is checked several times. I went through several checkpoints. You can't have a weapon or anything like that. But you could have, you know, if you were carrying a bottle and glasses to celebrate, you could have that. Mm-hmm. And there, I remember where, where I was standing, there was a group of people speaking French. There was another group speaking German. There were two people smoking marijuana off to the side, hiding it from the cops, but they didn't care. There was another group just shooting the breeze and, you know, had couples cuddle up. I went by myself because I just, I wanted to see what was going on. I would like to go with a group to experience it that way. But I think everyone should do it at least one time. Even if you don't get to Times Square, just get to New York and experience the excitement. Experience what's going on. And there are enough vendors there that you can buy a hat or two on the side and celebrate. So I, I say I'm looking forward to it. I don't know what I'm going to do this year for New Year's, but I know with everything that's been accomplished this year, I have a lot to celebrate and I'm just going to be right there with them watching that ball drop and just say, woohoo, New Year's Eve. Yep. Goodbye, 2021. Hello, 2022. I can't I cannot believe it's almost 2022. Where did this time go? I know. It just seems like 2020 and 2021 have been a blur to me. So I know. I mean, when we, but when we take a look back on this year, we had, we started out anxious and we ended up hopeful. And I think that's a good balance for this year. We still have a month and a half left of this year. But I think as we start to see the stories of what has happened in the past year, who we've lost, you know, what has been accomplished and things like that, I think everyone should take a big breath, say, you know what, we're, we are better off than what we were a year ago. Um, things have occurred. Things have changed. You know, we, we have a vaccine. Um, we, we now, we have a booster. You know, we, we have this new technology that lets us know with medication, we can be protected a lot faster than ever before, even though some people don't trust it. But I think we need to be joyous. And I think this Thanksgiving, this Christmas, we need to be joyous. And the New Year celebration should be joyous because I think at the end of the day, 
we survived, we are living our lives, and you know what? We're moving forward. And I think we need to celebrate that and have a big woohoo and keep stepping. Definitely. I totally agree with that. Okay, well, that's the uh, news side of Chocolate News. And now we're going to um, head on over to Morgan Angelique Owens, our co-host for Chocolate News. And she's going to talk about some beauty, lifestyle, and culture. So take it away, Morgan. All right, John, thank you so much. So again, this is Morgan Angelique Owens, and we are talking all things beauty, wellness, lifestyle. And I am here today with Dr. Anissa Shomo, who has an amazing business called Health is Love. So actually this segment is powered by her. So I'm super excited to talk about her business, how beauty and health go two and two, um, because it absolutely does. So welcome, Dr. Shomo. Thank you. Thank you, Morgan, for having me. Yeah. Do you want to just briefly introduce yourself to the audience? Um, yeah. So I am a family medicine physician. I've been a physician for about 10 years. I graduated medical school in 2010. So it's been about a little, little more than 10 years. Um, and I've been here in Cincinnati for that whole time. I came here um, to, you know, to train and I've been working here in the community and the thing about me is, <laughs> I was, you know, I'm like my parents where I don't necessarily just do one thing. So um, for me, I like to be creative and to have a lot of different things going on. Um, and one of those things that is an, is an extension of that creativity is my businesses that I started. So I started Dr. Shomo Knows where I talk about health topics. And then I also started Health is Love to talk more about just that self-love that we need to have for ourselves and then also for our community and for each other to just lift each other up with health and with beauty standards and all that sort of thing as well. Love it, love it. So I know, um, you know, me and you are gonna do some things together with the realm of beauty, with health is love. So can you just talk about health is love just a little bit more and what all that entails? Yeah, so I started health is love so how I actually got started into speaking and with my business is through you, Morgan. So I was invited by my job to start working with Curvy Cardio. And I did my first speaking engagement and we talked a lot about health. And then people asked me a lot of questions <laughs> about, you know, like, well, what's, what's the best tummy tea and what's the best, you know, what about waist trainers and what about this? And I wasn't prepared for those answers. You know, I wasn't, um, was not prepared for the, to answer those questions because I, nobody had really ever asked me those questions. And so, you know, through then, um, through, you know, that experience and after that, I ended up being diagnosed with cancer and, you know, going through this whole cancer journey. And when you are a patient, you know, especially a doctor patient, um, the whole meaning of health and beauty and all of that just takes on a whole new meaning. And so, you know, I'm going through cancer, but I don't look like a cancer patient. But people are like, well, why is your weight changing? And are you okay? Well, actually, nobody ever asked me if I was okay. <laughs> I wish the people would have. Instead, they were just like, have you been working out? You're getting a little fat. You know, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. oh, I right. love working out. I work out every day. So it's just like, you know, the judgment that we have for each other was, was something else that kind of caught me off guard. And so, you know, I started to write a book about that, about that experience, but instead I wrote a book about healing and trauma because I felt like I really needed to heal from that experience a lot more. 
Um, and I'm, and it's a process, but, you know, I'm still healing from that trauma of being diagnosed with cancer. And I'm currently just had, you know, another surgery related to that. So the next phase of that is, you know, why do we do that to each other? Why do we, um, why don't we ask each other if they're okay? And instead just say, you know, you're getting a little fat, you know, <laughs> like why right, is that the right. conversation, you know? <laughs> so that's going to be the next book that I'm planning to write just about how we should, you know, there's no, there's no one way to be beautiful. There's no one way to be healthy. We're all on a different journey of what that means to us. And we have to support each other instead of making those judgments. Absolutely. Well, I am, I just want to say, you know, I'm super proud of you. I'm super glad that, you know, God placed you in my life. I'm not, I'm not trying to cry up in here and get us all emotional, but you know, it's important. To get I already, I power, already started. So. It. I know. I But that's the good thing about, you know, just being, you know, just being black women, being authentic and letting that shield down. Cause I think that's part of, you know, beauty as well, being your authentic self and being able to open up and, you know, just support each other, you know, that's absolutely part of beauty and wellness is that connection, you know, you being a doctor, physician, but also an entrepreneur, but also a wife, but also the 10 million other things that you do going through personal issues. You know, I'm an entrepreneur, I do this, I do that. You know, I have a personal life too. And it's hard to balance everything. You definitely need a community of support um, to, to share with. So I just want to say I'm super proud of you. I, I love watching your growth. And um, you're doing amazing things. So for the community and beyond. Yes. Thank so, you. so we're talking about beauty. We're talking about wellness, you know, in your opinion, you know, if you're not, if you're not together on the inside, if you're not, you know, working out, if you're not taking care of your health, you know, how do you feel that can affect your, your beauty from the inside, but also the outside? Yeah. So, I mean, the whole thing about it is I feel like just in general, as women, we do a lot more comparisons of ourselves to other women. Um, we, I don't know. It's So for me, I was raised in a big family. I, I have like seven sisters. And so I'm sure a lot of this starts in our family where we compare ourselves to, you know, each other and our families. And then we go through life in that way of, you know, well, this person has that and this person has this. And I think that for me, another thing that has really brought me to this place where I am um, in my career and in my um, journey is working with like anti-racism, um, you know, different initiatives in my, in my career. And just learning more about like diversity and embracing the diversity of everybody, you know, and just being who we are. Um, and, and, but the problem is that there's these hierarchies um, that are created of beauty standards and of all of that sort of thing. And so if we're going to really get to the point where we can love ourselves and really um, encourage each other and uplift each other, we have to reject a lot of that hierarchy, you know, because that's what really, that's what really holds a lot of people down. They're comparing themselves. They're, can, they're using these standards of beauty. They're looking at this person and saying, you know, well, I want to look like that. Um, when we really have to create our own standard of beauty for ourselves. Like, I know that, like for me, I've, I've always, I've always had, like, when we were young, um, people were really thin. Like the biggest thing that was, you know, like in the nineties and in the early two thousands was people really just were like really thin, right? Curvy girls were not really in. Right. And so I've always been a curvy girl. I've always had hips. Like, since I went through a puberty. Like, yeah. <laughs> <As in everything. laughs> so 
you know, so now that's kind of the trend right now. But back then that wasn't the trend. So, but for me, it was always just like, I don't really care. Like I've never been, what's, what's so funny about, you know, me writing for Hero Beauty and me being on this, you know, talking about beauty um, is that I've never been like that girl. You know, <laughs> I've always been kind of like, you know, you, you cute. But it's never been like, you know, what my focus was. My focus was always, you know, getting good grades. Um, I was in drama club. So like acting, all that sort of thing. Um, just doing whatever, whatever it was that I was interested in and being really great at it. But I was never really like, you know, looking for a certain aesthetic or just being like, oh, I got to look like this or let me let me, you know, try to lose a few pounds so I can look like this. Like that's never really been who, who I am. And I think that it would be great if a lot of people could move through the world that way, because for me, I just, I didn't put as much attention on that. So I just was confident, like just from a young age, I was just like, this is who I am. I got hips. Somebody going to like it, you know, <laughs> like, right. you know, whatever, you know, I'm not going to try to be somebody else. And, you know, and, and even from a young age, like I look at my friends from high school and we all look different. It wasn't that like a, like, oh, well, we're, so the funniest thing is when we were in college, we had a group, I was in a fraternity, I was in a co-ed fraternity. And it was a bunch of girls in it. There were some guys in there too, but it was really a lot of women who were in this fraternity. And we had our crew of people who we just looked like whatever we wanted to look like. So some of us were thin, some of us were curvy, some of us were, you know, just, you know, bigger girls. We didn't care. We had fun. We would, you know, we would, we would like be a college player, hide and seek, just having all types of fun, you know? <laughs> Right. So, but then there was another another group of girls who we call the too cute for you group. <laughs> so they were the ones because I was in a Latinx fraternity, so they were the ones who wanted to go salsa dancing and they would like go and buy outfits and you know like color coordinate each other and all that kind of thing. And we were just like, why? You know, <laughs> so we used to make fun right, of them because right. because they were like you know the cookie cutter girls. You know what I mean? And so like my whole life, I've never really aspired to be a cookie cutter type of girls. And it's funny because all of my friends from high school, I, I went to three different high schools. So when I transferred to Shaw High School, I really felt this really great community of women um, who just were like, didn't care, didn't have that kind of attitude because my, I didn't know this because I transferred my junior year, but they were all cheerleaders and they all quit the cheerleader team because they were like, we don't want to do this anymore. You know? <laughs> So, so I was right. friends with like all the cheerleader like rejects who were just like, whatever, this is who we are. We're going to be who we want to be. And so, you know, when I went to college, you know, that kind of carried on with, I had a lot of friends who just were very confident who they were, you know, lived life, how they wanted to live it. Um, and I just really appreciate those formative experiences for me of like not having people tell you how to be, because I feel like so many young people go through high school and college and people are like, no, you got to look like this or, oh, you got to be like that, you know? Right. Yeah. And so for me, true. just I feel like that's what we need to create, though, in the world, even as adult women, because like I remember the first time I, you know, when I was wearing my natural hair at work, like I used to have I used to get relaxers. And so, you know, for me, like transitioning into to natural hair, even as a as a light skinned woman with, you know, three C or three B hair. Um, I know, I understand that, you know, obviously in the hierarchy, my, my hair grade can, this can be, you know, somewhere where people desire that. But for me, I never even knew what my hair looked like. 
You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> right, right. So as, as Black women, like, yeah. I spent 20 years getting relaxers, and I didn't even know what my hair looked like. So, you know, as I'm transitioning out of relaxers and, and being in a professional world as a physician, like, that was just a big deal of, like, what is my hair supposed to look like? Does it look professional? And all that sort of thing. So just having those formative experiences with those, with, you know, so many young women who were just like, you know, you look how you look, you do what you do. Um, that really gave me the confidence to, to rock my natural hair, to figure out what it did, to, to, you know, figure out some different styles and that sort of thing. So we really have to build that community in the beauty industry and just with each other and our fellowship with each other. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, figure out, you know, what works for us and, you know, what things we can do um, from a health standpoint to, you know, improve our, our health wellness, but also our beauty. So, but we could, we, we're going to um, unpack that in another episode on the podcast. I wish we had more time, but I like to end all interviews by asking you, what are three beauty products that you can't live without? Okay. Three beauty products that I can't live without. So for me, for me, you know, as I've written in my, um, in my column, it's all about the hair, you know, like, so most mm -hmm. of the products that I use for my beauty are, I use the, um, right now I'm, I'm using the meal. I just wrote an article about the meal shampoo conditioner. Um, that's been really great. The anti-breakage Hawaiian ginger. So I like those products. And then I still am rocking with the, um, Shea Moisture Leave-In Conditioner. And then I like, so the other piece of me is when I do a lot of my videos, I wear lip gloss and I've never talked about what kind of lip gloss I use. I use Fenty lip gloss. <laughs> so those are, so, yeah. you know, my hair, the two products are from my hair. And then I use the Fenty lip gloss for, for my lips. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Shomo, for joining us. Can you tell people how to follow the Help is Love movement, um, your website, social media, all those good things. Yes. So my website is healthislove.co. So not.com, healthislove.co. And then my Instagram is the same, healthislove.co. And, you know, a lot of people know me from Dr. Shomo Know. So I have those websites too. It's my last name is spelled S-H-O-M-O. -O. So it's Dr. Shomo. K-N-O-W-S knows.com. So you can follow me there and you can find all my social media there. Perfect. All right, John, back to you. Okay, so that was Morgan Angelique Owens with uh, her guest. And we're going to wrap it up here on Chocolate News. I want to thank Andrea for coming on and talking about some of the uh, hot chocolate news topics of the week. So thank you for coming on, Andrea. My pleasure. John, I'm looking forward to next time. Definitely. And you can find more information about today's topics and past podcast episodes at www.thecincinnatiherald.com, the SESH newsletter, or on our social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, YouTube, and TuneIn Radio. I'm John Alexander Reese, and have a good day. <laughs>